We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How we doing? Good morning. IB countdown to kickoff. Up and running. Vince was starting to get some uh, some ire in the in the YouTube chat as we sat here getting ready. I was I was prepared to wait about thirty to forty five more seconds. <laughs> That's fair. And then Vince Vince jumped in behind the scenes and and we are ready to go. I tell you what I did. I rebooted my computer. I've started doing uh, preventative preemptive computer reboots <laughs> so we don't get last minute stuff man it's Probably like smart i know well here we are we're we are ready to go on a not so nice looking saturday morning in okay. south bend this is what a november saturday morning usually yeah. looks like we're getting rain yeah. it was beautiful well i won't say beautiful but it was nice yesterday temperatures in the 60s we had sunshine actually for most of the week it's but uh it's supposed to be nasty all day today it is, and this is actually where I would have preferred a day game uh, at Notre Dame Stadium because I feel like the nastier weather, the better off it's going to be for Notre Dame. But by the time the game kicks off at 7.30, it's just going to be cold and windy. It's not necessarily going to be rainy and nasty. So right. it's right. not going to be great, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's going to be a heck of a lot better than it is right now. And we'll touch on the weather impact of this game a little bit. Later on in the show, Notre Dame and Clemson, 7.30 tonight at Notre Dame Stadium. Seventh all-time meeting between these two yeah. schools. We have a couple guests who are actually going to join us, I should mention, over the course of this show. Two Ryans. Ryan Roberts, our recruiting guy, yeah, is uh, is going to spit some recruiting game for us here in a little bit. This is a big, another big... Another one. Yeah, recruiting weekend because... You know, I was told the Stanford game was the biggest recruiting weekend of the year. Now I'm being told today is the biggest recruiting day of the year. Well, so, that was the biggest recruiting ga- uh, day of the year to, to that, that point. point. Okay. Yes. yes. Gotcha. So, gotcha. so this is, yeah, this has been the uh, the circled one from what I understand. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Of course, we've got our game day rapid fire. We've got all of our stuff coming up. But it is the seventh all-time meeting between Notre Dame and Clemson. Fourth time in the last five years they've met. You've got the 2015 game, speaking of rain, down at Clemson. Yeah. Hurricane Joaquin rolling through Clemson that year. Woof. Then you've got the 2018 college football playoff semifinals. Another woof. (laughs) Well, for other reasons. Well, yeah, exactly. But then you've got the 2020 game here at Notre Dame Stadium. Not a woof. (laughs) And then you've got the 2020 Part 2 ACC Championship game. Woof. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it's, uh, it's becoming a more common occurrence. Notre Dame and Clemson. Hey, post game show coming up afterwards later tonight. Who's who's who all's on the post game show? Tonight? That's a solid question. I know I I will be there. I know Brian will be there. Whether Sean and Ryan are there, I believe Ryan is going to be there because he's not obviously coming in the South Bend. So I believe he will be there, uh, and he's in the chat. So maybe he'll let us know. But I believe Ryan will be there. Uh, and hopefully Sean, this is a big game. I, I would hope that Sean would be there. The other Sean, not this Sean. And you're talking other about Sean Davis. He's Sean coming Davis. to the game tonight though, oh, right? Then he probably will not be there. If he's That's what him. I thought I heard Brian say earlier okay. this week. Okay. And then Jesse is going to be there tonight as well, right? Yes, that is absolutely accurate. I forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah. Jesse's going to be there. So there's a chance. There's a chance. There's going to be five of us in. Well, that is huge. Uh, that there's going to be five of us in the show tonight. So there you go. And Ryan right. is confirming that he will Ryan be there. says That's he will good. be there. That's right. That's good. Stuff. That's right. Brent with his usual shout from Monterey, California, got his game day coffee in hand. And um, Jesse's girlfriend, Naomi, is actually she was in Monterey this oh. week. Interestingly enough. And I was and- trying to hint. Bring me back some companions. <laughs> but that didn't go over well. So, oh, come on, man, is she really? <laughs> but I would have to go to she, Cleveland to get it anyway. So, she, is she daughter-in-law material at this point? I know, right? I mean, I'm just saying, like, just throwing that out there. I don't know what your plans are, but come on, seriously. All right. Well, Notre Dame's coming off the 41 to 24 win over Syracuse last week. Biggest thing you learned about the Fighting Irish last week, Vince, is what? Oh man, I you know what I learned that the that almost every position group at Notre Dame can play well and they can play well on the same day. And that is a bonus. And I also learned that their Notre Dame or no number 16 team in the country is a match for Notre Dame. How about that? They're undefeated against number 16 teams, but how are they going to do against number 14? That is the question that we have right now. But I, we saw a lot of things that we thought we were going to see a lot earlier in the season. I think uh, in the last game, I, you know, like I said, well, the linebackers played well. I thought the defensive line played well. I thought the secondary played well. And then offensively, the wide receivers did what they needed to do. You know, the running backs played hard. The offensive line just took it to the other side. You got one position that needs to step up. Other than that, the rest of this team is playing well. And they need to do that, obviously, today as well. They have yet to do that at home. And that is going to be the big question mark going into this game. You know, Vince, I'll play along with the charade. I <laughs> love to tell that punt block team that I love them, but the point is probably moot at this point. What are you, Rick Springfield Jr.? If you're watching the chat, I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> that was the, that was actually pretty good off the off the cuff. I'm gonna say that. That's good. Um, you know, I agree with what you're saying. What I've learned is this team is still wildly inconsistent because they can get big plays from all over but they don't get them consistently, you know, and I'm just, I'm just still baffled by this whole three and one versus ranked teams with the only loss being of course on the road at Ohio state, but you're two and two against unranked teams. And again, that's something we'll jump into more in detail later, but I learned that the defense can make plays. Now it helps when the quarterback decides he's just going to throw you throw one of the best safeties around, uh, you know, a ball on a little slant on the first play of the game that he can take back. Yeah, I know. That was that I set know. the tone. I that to be honest with you, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I was very nervous about that game going in. I picked Notre Dame to win because it was on the road and all those different things. But after that play, after the first play of the game, I was like, "Yeah, oh, they're gonna win." 
Like I, I had no more doubts. I mean, I know it's one play, but after that, I was like, oh, they're going to win. I, I had no issues the rest of the way. But then, of course, Syracuse marches right down the field on their next drive <laughs> and scores a touchdown. You this know, true. so you're not, you're not wrong, sir. Yeah, and, and I can't. You know, like the defense, I, I just some baffling decisions. Sometimes, you know, they were they were focused on Garrett Schrader, and there were some reports out there going into the game about Schrader's availability and the injury, and yeah. Notre Dame was focused on taking away his running, which they should have. I thought, but that I think that showed on that drive and at the end of the drive, once they get into the red zone again by going without a safety, and then you've got Benjamin Morrison locked up one on one against a much bigger, you know, Rondé Gadsden. And so I don't know. I, there, there, there are still so many glimmers there for the defense. Statistically, they are pretty good right up until you get the in the red zone the against red zone. them. And then it's like, non-stop you well, cannot they cannot stop and they're they're like top 20 i think is what i read maybe it's 17 but top 20 keeping teams out of the red zone so getting them not in the red zone they're a really good team but yeah once once they enter it's like all right we're done playing defense we're good here right have a you know right. have, have a touchdown you get a touchdown you get a touchdown you know, you know? And, and jesse brought up the point this week that there are not a whole lot of red zone opportunities necessarily because they do force a lot of punts and a lot of three and outs even, but it's once they get in the red zone, you get in the red zone and everybody scores, you know, yes. and that's, so it's, it's keeping teams out of the red zone, keeping teams out of those scoring opportunities. Again, when you look at, at last week's game, is there anything you saw that applies to tonight's game potentially with Clemson? And I read this the other day, and I still don't necessarily have an answer for that, except for I think the offensive line can play with this defensive line. I'm not saying that they're going to dominate Clemson's defensive line. That would be silly not going there. But I think they can play with them. And that means that they can run the ball. It's not going to be like the last two weeks. Anybody that says that is a complete and utter homer. But what I'm saying is they can play with this defensive line, they can make some progress. They can run the ball, you know, at times they can do enough to keep this offense in the game, keep drives alive, etc. I think this offensive line can do it. And if they can't, this is going to be a very short game and it's not going to be a good game if you're a Notre Dame fan. So yeah, off- offensive line has to be on tonight. Yes, they like have, all they this- have to be. All this improvement that we've seen from the offensive mm-hmm. line, it's one thing to say, well, you've been good against right. UNLV and, you know, whoever, you know, because they were fairly average at times mm-hmm. against Stanford, you know, and, and that's, that's, they were, they were good at times against Stanford, but there were other, t- you know, if yeah, your game right. plan is you're going to pound it between the tackles, you've got to be excellent in yeah. your execution. Right. I'm really curious to see what the, what the game plan is tonight. We know they're going to have to run the ball. Yes. Andrick Estime, a career-high 20 carries for 123 mm-hmm. yards last week, which is his second-highest career total behind the 134 he had against North Carolina earlier this season, and 246 rushing yards. And, I mean, that is the the eye-popping thing still as they continue to string together all these 200-plus-yard rushing games. It is the fourth time in the last five games they've gone for at least not even just 200, but at least 223, and their second-highest total to 287 against North Carolina. We know they want to run the ball, but right. you know, again, like for Andrick Estime specifically, very important for him to have that kind of game and very important for them to come out and establish him right away as the fullback in that I formation. They gave him the ball on the first two carries of the game and said, okay, we're confident in you, big guy. Those fumbles, we're not worried about that. Yeah, absolutely. I it's it was nice to see not only did they give him an opportunity, but he answered the bell. You know, I mean, he yeah. he had one of the better games of his career in a game where there were people calling for him never to touch the ball again, right? And so that was great to see on both sides. Number one, they gave him the opportunity, and number two, he took it and seized it and, you know, made the coaches happy. You know, it, it paid off. It made, yeah. the, it made the decision pay off, which I really, really liked. Matthew says he liked Dabo's comments about the running backs. They have three grown men <laughs> back there. He's not wrong. 
and they do, and it's a matter of how they use them. I think personally that Chris Tyree is going to be more important than at any point this season tonight. How you use Chris Tyree, you know, Audric Estime and Logan Diggs are still going to be factors as well, but how you use Chris Tyree and how you can get the ball into his hands, a playmaker against the team that you're going to have to make plays against tonight. They're going to have to get him in space. They're going to have to be creative yes. with Chris Tyree. You can, you don't have to be creative with, you know, Audric Estime. Run him between the tackles. It's very That's simple fine. with Audric Estime. Yep. It's, it's getting the ball and let him eat when it's time to eat. But I feel like they're going to have to be creative with both the other running backs, to be honest with you. There, there's some other things, obviously, that you can do with Logan Diggs. He's kind of a hybrid between Tyree and Estime. So there's some different things that you can do. But Tyree, for the most part, you need to be – you can't run him between the tackles and expect success. You can do that sometimes if it softens up because you've been pounding him on the outside. You can run him up the middle, and then one broken tackle later, he's you know housing it for 80. But you need to get him on the outside. 100% need to get him on the outside. And if you can't do that, it's going to be a long day. I mean, yeah. you, you can't just continuously pound the middle, pound the middle. need to see some outside zone. need to see some buck sweep. need to see a lot of that stuff That's right. that gets him to the outside. That's right. They've again, they've got to find ways to get Chris Tyree involved, and and I think that I'll just I think tonight, like if we're not going to see more two back stuff tonight, we're probably not going to see it the rest of the season. That's that's my personal take on that because I've been harping on yeah, it. We've been I, talking yeah. about it. If you're not going to see more tonight against this kind of opponent, yeah, I just don't think we're going to see it. Absolutely, I completely agree with you. If you don't do it tonight, when are you going to do it? Yeah, I mean. It, there's no point. There's no point in doing it in the first place. And you just got our hopes up and you got us excited for no reason. Yep. Another punt block last week. Of course, the pick oh. six on the first play of the game. And I mean, two big tide turning plays yes. Yes. right there. And then Maris Leofow's interception, of course, later on as well. But it's it's amazing because we have not seen punt blocks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, this can be a part of the game. And it's, yeah. Yeah. it's not just a part of the game. It's like, it's a huge part of the game now at this point. It's an abs- it's it is literally a third of the game now and it's a third of the game that can win a game for Notre Dame. I mean if they're even on offense and defense, the difference could be special teams. And right now, you know, if we're doing like a tail of tape or, you know, whatever you want to call it, I give Notre Dame the edge in special teams. And Brian Mason is going to dial something up that is going to change the tide of this game. Can the offense and the defense put them in a position to where that tide changing play makes a difference that's the question for me yeah i think the special teams are going to go out there and make a play they're going to make a play or two can the offense and defense back them up in order to make this a game yeah again i mean i think it goes without saying right you're playing a, a top five team now once again you need all three phases to contribute right. tonight this is not like everything has to fall on drew pine everything has to fall on the offense you need all three phases. You're going to need some plays. Whether that means it's it's John Sott and just can you know continued good punting, but again, it's going to be windy tonight. How that's going to affect sure. whether it's the punts or the field goals or whatever it happens to be. Like you might see yeah. Marcus Freeman make more decisions tonight. Maybe not try to kick a field goal depending on which side of the field they're on. You know that kind of stuff. That's a but, good point. I. We're going to be there, uh, you know, side note, there is a tailgate today uh, over oh. at Notre Dame for Irish Breakdown, so make sure everybody comes out and says hi. Brian says he's going to be out there between 1 and 2 o'clock. Uh, let's see here. I think he gave me some more specifics. But uh, He says, uh, remind people about the tailgate. Tell folks we'll be out in the stadium lot between 1 and 2 o'clock. So there you go. Stadium lot between 1 and 2 o'clock. So well, I'll be out there earlier as well, probably not at one or two o'clock, but I'll be out Stadium there. Stadium lot's I'm, a pretty big lot. He, he, it he is. Needs to send a, he needs to send a poll number at some point. Yes, there will be a poll number. There will be uh, so you know you gotta you gotta check on the tweeter. Uh, but uh, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what the wind is gonna be like. I went through that whole thing to say that I'd like to get on the stadium ground before this this the game starts, like yeah. on the field level, to see what the wind is like because we're on the ninth floor. And we can go outside, but the wind is going to be completely different on the ninth floor as it is on the you know the field level. So yeah, big time difference. Yeah, I'll be early. I'll be there early There's enough a, to see that. The way I mean, the wind swirls anyway, but it's yeah, it it's changed with all the with these 
you know, the additions with the new press box on on the east side and, of course, with a the scoreboard there on the south side or, you know, the, the jumbotron on the south side as well. The wind, like the way the wind affects things is different now than it yeah. used to be before all that stuff. David Absolutely. has a super chat on the Chris Tyree subject. He says, I may be wrong, but does it seem like when Chris gets the ball, there are never any holes open? And, you know, I don't know that it's about holes open. It's just, to me, it's about the contrast in his running style compared to Estime and Diggs, who are more yeah. physical guys who can just slam it up in there and kind of find the holes. The holes need to be a little bit different, I think, if you're going to run the ball with Tyree between the tackles. Absolutely agree with you. And you're you're not setting him up for success. I mean, that's exactly like, like I said before, you can run him between the tackles, but you've got to soften up that middle a little bit because he's a one hit wonder as far as he's gonna make one cut and he's gonna go. And you can't be running that into a full box. That's that's not where he's going to have success. So you've got to soften up the middle by going outside, then you can run him up the middle and he'll be just fine. And it has nothing to do with his cleats either. That's ridiculous but <laughs> yeah anyway all right all right all right uh, uh, so, it, it was a mention in the chat so i had to gotcha out there. gotcha i was i was gonna say i i tried to keep my eye over there but i was dialing up we're gonna have a comment here that i'm gonna play for marcus freeman here in ah. just a second but notre dame's now three and one on the road this season all four games against ranked opponents they are two and two at home this season but the two losses, of course, to teams, Marshall and Stanford, that are now a combined 7-9 and nine coming into this weekend. A lot of talk about Notre Dame's home record versus its road record, but there is a split as well between how they play against good teams and how they play against bad teams. And Marcus Freeman was asked about that this week, about playing up or down to the competition, and here's what he said. You can look at it a couple different ways, and uh, is it a home game? Is it a away game thing? Um, is it a, a opponent thing? You know, what we got to do is focus on the things that it takes to play well. And no matter who the opponent is, we have to truly focus on what it takes to deserve victory, what it takes to really be able to execute um, throughout the entirety of a game. And, and we can't let the opponent um, dictate our ability to focus on that and our ability to execute. And so, um, unfortunately, you know, if you look at, you know, some of the previous losses and, and some of the poor performances that, you know, have they been higher ranked teams? No. Um, but, but as I tell our players, it's about continuing to improve and it's about making sure this Saturday that we're performing at a high level and that's all we really want to focus on. All right, Vince, so what do you think? He's right. I mean, he's saying all the right things. You can't allow the opponent to dictate how you play as far as whether you're up for a game or down for a game or whatever the case may be. That has to be internally. And that, as a coach, that's one of the hardest things, to be honest with you, is to get teams up for games that you should win. I mean, in my coaching experience, whether as an assistant or as a head coach, more often than not, you play down to the ability of the team that you're playing. And it is very tough to get teams up, even if it's like a crosstown rival. If they're having a down year and they stink, it's hard to get teams up for that. You know what I mean? And and I get where he's coming from, but that's his responsibility. That's where he needs to be. So, I mean, he's saying all the right things. The proof's in the pudding. I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's going to be any issue getting up for this game. How could you not get up for this game? But... Boston College, Navy. Are you going to still be able to get up for those games after this game? I mean, they that's kind of scare you, knowing the history this mark. program has, you know, in the last, what, a little bit more than a decade, I guess decade and a half now at this point. They've, you know, after all those years, we used to be able to say, well, Roger Staubach was the quarterback the last time Notre Dame lost to Navy, and then that went out the window. You know, the last couple coaches yeah. have lost to Navy, <laughs> you know, and, and Navy's coming up next week right yeah, after a big yeah. matchup with Clemson and I mean all the focus right now is is on Clemson but that's still a scary prospect when you've got Navy a team that considers you a rival and Boston College a team that considers you a rival before your biggest rival USC at the end of the regular season no doubt about it I mean again no you're gonna have no issue getting up for today's game you're gonna have no issue getting up for the USC game but what about the two games in between one's at home one's on the road 
that's a big question mark with this group. I mean, and and if there's a bigger, there is no bigger question mark for me in Marcus Freeman's tenure, short tenure as it is, but there's no bigger question mark. Can he get these guys up for the games that you can't say they don't matter because if you lose them, your season's over. Uh, but for the games that you should win and you should dominate, can he get them up for those games? Yeah. And, and I thought to that, me, that was a given for him to be well, honest. Well, no, I know. And it and it starts to look like, you know, like you're you're obviously seeing uneven performances. And yeah. you know, early in the season we were writing this at, or or saying you know, writing it off to well, you're not playing well at home versus you're playing well on the road. And now there there's again the correlation to not just home versus away, but the home games until tonight. This is the first ranked opponent they have seen at home this season. All the ranked teams have been on yeah. the road. So, you know, before it was, well, you're playing well at home versus, or, you know, you're not well at home versus you're playing great on the road. And now there's a clear split also between ranked opponents, good opponents versus poor opponents. And and Freeman was also asked this week about the fact that he decided in the off season that he didn't want to continue to employ the mental performance specialist that Brian Kelly had with the team over the past five seasons. And here's his response to that. We have resources for them um, to utilize here on campus, uh, you know, on an individual basis. And as far as, you know, what we want our players thinking during the week and as they get ready for um, a game, it it can be from the head coach or the position coach. And we're speaking similar messages. And, uh, you know, it's it's the things that I feel as the head coach, they, ha- they should be thinking about and what's important. Um, but... But again, we have to make sure we have resources to serve these guys that um, if, if necessary, they feel like they need it. Um, we have uh, resources for them in terms of mental performance. So they have resources in terms of mental performance, but they don't have a specific mental performance uh, coach specialist any longer. Notre Dame had won 42 consecutive games against unranked opponents entering this season that and that time correlates to the time where they did have the, you know, the mental specialist and all that kind of stuff. The streak ended the first time that they had a chance to play an unranked opponent week 2 against Marshall this season. So Vince, could there be a correlation between the two? No. I don't believe in that stuff. I'm sorry. I don't I don't see that as being it. Um well, I don't know she, how you can't though when you well, look again. Why are you playing so crappy against unranked teams? Well, she's not, mind she's not in the right place. Oh, they lost to Florida State. Game one, they've well, played a lot better. So I'm not I'm not saying that it is the only reason, but there is obviously some kind of disconnection in how they are preparing for these teams that are supposed to be the lesser teams right, on I get the that, schedule. But they have people that can they can talk to. They just don't have that one person. And I don't I mean, she might as well have put a diaper on the kicker for Notre Dame before when he would come off the field. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like, come on, that's not sports performance. That's coddling. And I that's that's a hard pass for me. And I, I was not a big fan of that particular situation to begin with. So I had no problem with them going a different well, direction. I mean, it is it is a cottage industry in sports now. You know, like someone brought up the other day, well, Lou Holtz didn't have you know, a mental performance coach in 88, you're right, but next to nobody did. But pretty much everyone across professional sports included has has some form of it. And, you know. They've got like, people to do that, though. They just don't have that one individual person. I know for a fact they've got people on staff that the kids can talk to and, and do all that stuff with. They just don't have that one human being in that role. I mean, I have never worked with a mental performance coach, but I've seen – you know, like plenty of these guys and, you know, and like, you know, kind of sat back and, and watched some of the, like the videos of them talking with teams and talking with players and how they go about preparing their minds and stuff like that and sort of redirecting their, their, their focus. You know, like the case with Jonathan Doerr specifically, tuning out the negative and trying to find that positive thing you can focus on. How much it actually impacts things, I don't know. But again, we have very clear evidence this that this team is playing very well on the road against good teams, and they are playing at least very inconsistently at home against the teams that are the you know 
the worst teams on their schedule this season. Again, the two losses they have at home against teams with a combined seven or nine record. So I get what you're saying. Look, at the a, very at the very least, it can't hurt. I there's, guess you there's know, <laughs> obviously a problem. There's a disconnect with playing teams that are below them. I just don't think it's the head shrinker. I, that, that's not. I'm sorry. I you know. I've been to seminars with that exact person leading the seminar, and I walked out of there rolling my eyes. Like, it just didn't do anything for me. And I've been in athletics my whole life, and it just didn't do anything for me. I don't yeah. know. I just – it didn't it didn't resonate with me, and it must not have resonated with Marcus Freeman because that's why he got rid of her. And as Tyler says, coaches should get the players ready. They should get them ready. They should. Are they getting them ready? But they're ready? not. And, and again, and- that's, that's part of why you have someone – because the coach has a lot of other things to deal with. And I, I just I, I I think it can only help more than can hurt. Is it the difference? I don't know, but I think it can only help more than can hurt by having someone, you know, like that as a resource. Yeah. Does it have to be that specific person? No, but I, I don't think it would be I, I don't think it would hurt them to look into having someone in a similar position going forward. Okay. <laughs> and again, we don't have to we don't have to agree on this. No, no, it's fine. I get your perspective, but I do think that the mental side of this is a much bigger part of it than a, than a lot of people. You know, like David Ortiz used to say, it's about confidence. If I go to the plate, I know I'm going to get this pitcher. Okay, I get Like you if I have doubt in my mind, I've already lost this at bat. And the guys in the Hall of Fame, you know, and there, there are plenty of other guys. And I'm, I'm not saying that he was working with the men, but what I'm saying, the mental aspect is, is a much bigger part of this kind of thing than we know. And again, I, I think it can only help more than it can hurt by having a resource. I, mean, I, like I that. see what you're saying. And the whole confidence thing, as far as David Ortiz is talking about, if you don't, have, if you, if you don't have confidence when you're doing what you're doing at the division one level, then you shouldn't be playing. I, I, I don't, nope. you shouldn't need a five foot four blonde lady to give you confidence. <laughs> That's what wives are for. or girlfriends. That's not what a mental person is for. Yeah. Well, like maybe we need, maybe we need to look into having one of these people on the show. In the future <laughs> Great. I'll just be like this. Get Vince's mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And and just it, there's at least one person on my side. Mike says I totally agree with with Sean hey. on the subject. So we don't we don't all have to agree on this. I'm just saying I'm just saying you're Notre Dame. You have the resources to have that kind of resource on the staff, and I would rather err on the side of it, you know why not rather than just say well they're you know they can talk to the coaches they can talk to other people if they want to. Especially, again, when you look at the inconsistent play that they've had. There's some kind of disconnect going on. It is Marcus Freeman's job to figure out how to reconnect that disconnect. And I don't know if it's this or if it's something else. But there's there's hey. there's pretty clear data saying this is an inconsistent team, and we can all see the inconsistencies. Well, that's fair. But why couldn't this little mentalist lady get them to win in big games and play with confidence in big games? Well, isn't, isn't that why... Marcus Freeman was the guy to go to because you needed well, they, a recruiting boost. They played better against Ohio State in a big game than they've ever played under Brian Kelly in a big game. <laughs> See, Ryan's all over. You said Vince is so insensitive. <laughs> so Clemson, of course, 8-0 coming into today's game and ranked fourth in the first college football playoff rankings. It is year 14 for Dabo Sweeney. That is nuts. I know. That, that by itself – of all the stats that I've seen so far this year, or I mean, for this game and whatever Clemson is doing, that's the one that jumped off the page to me. I remember the day that he was hired. and I do too. And that's I, like, I was going to say, I remember doing old shows back in the day yes. when, and like I would have a guy on from, from that area talking about what's going on at Clemson. And they're like this Dabo Sweeney guy. And it's someone who I hadn't really heard of right. before. And here he is now year 14 and all the success that he's had. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why I remember this or why this is something that sticks out in my head, but I was in a smoothie shop with my wife, and they had the TV on. What? And for whatever reason, it was on ESPN, and they were announcing the hiring of, of Dabo Sweeney. I was like, oh, he seems like a cool guy. I'll be rooting for this guy. You know, you know, hopefully he'll be able to turn things around down there, blah, 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 blah. 
Never would have guessed that this is what would have happened with Dabo Sweeney. So I, I am shocked that it's been 14 years. That just means that I'm old. I know. Not cool. 158 wins and two national championships later. I think that uh, I think that guy's got the thing rolling down there. Didn't see that coming. Clemson. I know. And it's, I'm sure. If you I mean, that's recruit, that's to me what's amazing because this yeah. is a program that yeah, it had a national championship before. It, you know, it had had some sporadic success over the years, but it has become a full blown national power under Dabo Sweeney. That's that's what's amazing yeah. to me that he really took this program that had no you know, again, no real long-term traction and turned it into one that's, that's you know, succeeding year in and year out, four college football playoff appearances. And a three-loss win last year was like national disaster down there in Clemson. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that tells you the, the place that he has put Clemson, that now Clemson fans are very similar to Notre Dame fans, where a two, three-loss season, disaster. I know. Disaster. There's no room for success there. It's a disaster. And it it but it kind of felt like a disaster last year for for Clemson, didn't it? I mean, when they lost those few games at the beginning of the season, it was like, exactly. oh, the season's over, you know, exactly. and they still won 10 games. So, he, that but that, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? I mean, he's gotten them to a point where that is the expectation and and it should be down there at this point. And he had some turnover on the coaching staff. Longtime defensive coordinator Brent Venables, who is always, you know, like, why why is he still a defensive coordinator? Why isn't he a head coach? He's at Oklahoma now as a head coach. And the offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, is a head coach at Virginia. So they've got Wes Goodwin running the defense, Brandon Streeter running the offense. And I've got Ryan Cantor, uh, who covers Clemson. We'll talk about those guys coming up here in a little bit. But, you know... DJ Uyangalale, we saw him two years ago at Notre Dame Stadium when Trevor Lawrence couldn't go and uh, had a career game in that game in terms of his passing yards, 439 yards, 63% completion percentage this year, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions. I mean, numbers-wise, it doesn't look awful. He's been sacked 12 times. He's run for over 350 yards and four touchdowns, and he, we're expecting him to start tonight. We, I think we've got every reason to believe he's going to start tonight. But, yeah. you know, he did not have a good game a couple of weeks ago against Syracuse. Their last time out, he threw two two uh, two interceptions in that game. I guess just some of your thoughts on Big DJ coming into tonight. I mean, he's a he's a fairly one-dimensional quarterback. I mean, yes, he can, he can put the ball on the ground and he can run, but he, that's not what he wants to do. He wants to be in the pocket. He wants to pick you apart. He wants to throw the ball. So... He is a bit of a statue back there. You know, everybody talks about how much weight he's lost and how much more mobile he is. And 12 sacks over eight games isn't a ton. I mean, it's, you know, what is that? 1.25 sacks a game. So, I mean, that's okay. I mean, that's fine. Notre Dame needs to put more pressure on him than that. If they're going to be successful, maybe the sack numbers don't need to be super high, but the pressure numbers need to be high. They need to get him off of his base. They need to get him moving around. He doesn't scare me with his legs. He, I mean, he's a big kid, but he's not a big. He's not, not like he's blazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, our our linebackers can match up with him just fine. I'm not worried about him as a runner. So you need to affect his passing platform, and so they need to get in his face. They need to dial up pressures. Frankly, the game plan that they had against Syracuse in the first half is a game plan that I would replicate in this game. I would think so. Yeah, yeah, that's what they fairly, need to do. Fairly similar, you know. Both, you know, right. again, like. <clears throat> Big quarterbacks who are mobile but are not like Tyler Buckner fast by any means. You know right. they can they can they can hurt you with their legs kind of late. But Will Shipley, the running back, a name of course a lot of Notre Dame fans, many Notre Dame fans will recognize. Kind of the one that got away a couple of years ago when he committed to Clemson over Notre Dame. But he's run for almost 750 yards, averaging six yards per carry. Yeah with 10 touchdowns and he's got 19 receptions as well. And he's a, he's a big part of this offense that doesn't feature the kind of, you know, big uh, game breaking type receivers like they used to have a couple of years ago with guys like Higgins and Ross and, and those kind of guys. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, the only offensive threat that scares me is Will Shipley. You can't let him get loose. I mean, you're going to have to stop their run game 
and, and not allow him to beat you because the numbers that he has are actually really impressive. I mean, and they use him out of the backfield too. I mean, 19 catches over eight games is pretty darn good. So, you know, they're going to have to stop Will Shipley if they want to win this game, right? And I mean, their receivers are good. They're good. I mean, it's a good complimentary group of wide receivers, but no one guy, you know, scares the death out of you. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's the group, and that starts with DJ. And if he can sit back there and, and pick apart the defense, then that group is going to beat you. But there's not one guy that you're like, oh, man, that, you know, we got to bracket this guy. You know what I mean? So it all starts with the quarterback to the run game, and then you can be successful against this offense. Yeah, that's it. I think that the, for the first time, really since you know, since these teams have played each other more often since 2018, this is the first time where I feel pretty confident in Notre Dame's secondary against Clemson's receivers, and that yeah. where Notre Dame might even have the edge in this matchup in terms of secondary versus receivers. What do you think? Yeah, I think they can. I think this secondary has a really good opportunity to lock down these receivers, and I think that that will ultimately lead to more pressure on the quarterback because he's not going to be able to throw the ball super quick. Now, they're going to have to fix a few things. You know, they can't give inside leverage, and they can't give those slants when they're blitzing the, the linebackers and there's nobody to get underneath those slants. You can't do that. You know, we can't see Ben Morrison lining up outside and giving the inside to a big, tall receiver. Can't do that. You know, but those are little things. Those are little fundamental things that you need to clean up and that you need to fix. And if they do that, Notre Dame has the talent in the secondary to match up with these receivers, no problem. They just need to do it. And again, like I said, that will lead to more pressure on the quarterback and more indecision on his part. Defense for Clemson, allowing just a shade under 20 points per, per game, 21st in the nation scoring defense only 80 are 88 rushing yards per game they're giving up number seven in the nation from a pass yard standpoint they rank 87th of course the defensive line is their strength and absolutely miles murphy and brian Breesy are among dane brugler from the athletic the guy who puts together the you know all the draft stuff every year he is uh, those two guys along with linebacker trenton simpson are in <laughs> brugler's top 15 in terms of nfl draft prospects for next year and you look at their defensive line murphy five and a half sacks tyler davis four sacks xavier thomas two sacks kj henry two sacks i can go on down the line the defensive line for clemson has combined for 18 of the team's 22 sacks through eight games it is far and away the strength of the uh clemson defense yeah there's no doubt about it and you have to neutralize that i mean you have to misdirection them you have to option them you know, in the zone read game, you have to, you know, there's different things you can do to slow down a really good defensive line, but they are. That's the strength of the defense. There's no doubt about it. And you can't just run right at them. There, there are times where you can, but that can't be your entire game plan, right? I mean, you yeah. you can go up the middle. I don't want people to think, oh, it's all got to be outside. They run it up the middle. They're stupid. No, you can run it up the middle. That, you that is something your you spots. can do. You have to yes. pick your spots. You, but you have to soften it up. You have to be right. able to have success outside so that it loosens up the box and you get some guys out, you start spreading them out a little bit, then you can run up the middle. You are going to have to run up the middle in order to have success, okay? That's a given. But they have to pick their spots, like you said. So this yeah. defensive line is by far their best area on defense. I think they can. I think our running backs are better than their linebackers. I think our wide receivers can play with the secondary for sure, especially seeing what the secondary has done this year. It's just you have to neutralize their defensive line and as I said at the beginning of the show, I feel like this offensive line can have some success. I really do. I think so, too. And as we spin this now and look, you know, what we're most confident in and our biggest concerns in this game, and like Matt Lee, and I, I you know, I just kind of said this a second ago, Matt Lee saying they don't have a T. Higgins-type receiver to worry about this year. I, I do agree with that. And again, I think what I'm most confident in, or one of the things I'm most confident in as I look at this matchup is the secondary aspect of it, that Notre Dame's secondary can cover these Clemson receivers downfield and give Notre Dame's front seven a chance to get to DG, DJ Uyangalale and disrupt him and, and give them a chance you know, to, one, cause some disruptive plays and not let him be the guy just picking Notre Dame apart and making huge plays downfield like we've seen in some of these past matchups with these two teams. The secondary versus Clemson's wide receivers is 
again, for probably the first time oh, since yeah. these teams have been playing, it's something that I'm really confident in going into this matchup tonight. Yes, I like that matchup. And at the very least, you can stalemate there and allow your front seven to do some work against, you know, the run game and DJ Uyunglele. So I, I like the defensive matchup versus Clemson off, Clemson's offense for sure. Uh, I, I think that they can they can compete. Absolutely. And that's it's actually not my worry in this game. What I'm, is your worry in this game, VD? Well, my worry is uh, is the quarterback position. And I know okay. that that's the easy part to jump on, but it's the obvious part to me. I think the running backs have elevated their game. I think the offensive line has elevated their game. As of last week, I think the wide receivers have elevated their game. The quarterback needs to be the driver. You know, you don't have to put the whole game on him. You need a run game. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Drew Pine is a quarterback where you need the run game for him to be successful, right? But he needs to complete the layups. He needs to make one or two plays that maybe you're not expecting Drew Pine to make in a game of this caliber. You need that, whether it's a downfield throw to Tobias, whether it's a seam throw to Michael Mayer, whether it, whatever, whatever the case may be, he's going to have to make one or two of those plays to get them out of trouble, right? Or score a touchdown. And he's going to have to make the layups. You're going to have to get Chris Tyree involved. You're going to have to throw some slants. You're going to have to throw some more RPOs. You're going to have, he's going to have to be good in the read option because one way to neutralize a defensive lineman is to option him. Don't even block him. Make him be wrong. You can do that with Drew Pine. So he's going to have to be Drew Pine. Drew Pine yeah. needs to be Drew Pine. He can't be the bad Drew Pine. He doesn't have to be the amazing Drew Pine. He just has to be BYU Drew Pine and you're in great shape, and you can win this game. But that's my biggest question mark going in, and that's what worries me. Yeah. Colin says, this is the game to get Meriwether, Colsey, Thomas, and Mayer on the field all at once. I would throw Tyree into that as well. I would too. Those have been the guys who are, are starting to emerge as guys who can make plays. And, I mean, obviously you can mix and match the running backs quite a bit. But, again, I think, I think Chris Tyree is a big key to this game tonight, how you're able to get him involved, yes. whether it's screen passes that people have talked about, there needs to be more misdirection involved yeah. in this. And and again, I, I still keep going back to this is not the kind of game where you just line up in 12 personnel and try to, to pound Clemson. I, I think 11 personnel can be a good matchup by spreading things out a little Absolutely. bit more in 21 as well. If, if we see them come out in a bunch of 12 and 13 personnel over and over again, it's like you obviously haven't learned anything. I mean, right. you're, you're literally running into the teeth of this defense. That is not going to get you anywhere. You need to spread this defense out. You need to make them wrong, and you need to abuse the secondary. That's what you need to do. Yep. As Tom says, please throw the ball yes. to Tyree. Absolutely. Yes. And, I, and I also want to say, you don't need – Drew Pine to sit in the pocket and pick these guys apart. That's just, that's not his game. No. And if that's your game plan, that's wrong too. But he also okay. shouldn't be throwing when there's not some kind of play action involved either, considering what they've shown with the running game sure. this season. Absolutely. You need to establish a run game. I have no problem with that. But you don't need to establish the running game with 13 personnel or as whoever the color guy was last week, 14 personnel with Jake Thomas, okay? <laughs> That's not how you establish the running game. You need to run the ball with 11 and 21 personnel. That's what you need to do. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm looking. I thought I had a Marcus Freeman comment about red zone, but I am not able to find it. So I guess we uh, will not play that. But my <laughs> biggest concern is just the red zone matchup sure. tonight because Clemson – Number three in the nation in red zone offense scoring opportunities. They are scoring at a 97% clip when they get into the red zone. 16 rushing touchdowns, and again, that goes to both Uyangalale and Will Shipley. 12 passing touchdowns and 10 field goals. Now, you can live with field goals if you're yeah, not. You absolutely can. Like, you can have – that's – get off the field by just giving up a field goal. That would be a success for this defense, but the red zone defense is tied for last in the nation – 20 chances opponents have had in the red zone. They've given up eight rushing touchdowns, nine passing touchdowns, and three field goals. If you can cut the touchdown number, like if you can, like if they get to the red zone three times and you can hold them to two field goals and only give up one touchdown, that would be a success, I think. Be a huge success, no doubt about it. And and again, Notre Dame has done a very good job of keeping teams out of the red zone. But once they get in, it's like Oprah on Christmas. I mean, uh. you're just giving away touchdowns for free. I mean, I, they have to, you know, the whole bend but don't break situation. Well, they don't bend very well, but they break all the time when they're right. in the red zone. And they they need to not only keep 
Clemson out of the red zone, which they can do. But once they get in, you've got to play better defense. You have to if they want to be successful. They get in three times and score three touchdowns or more. That's when you're going to have a major problem because I don't trust this offense to go down. And I don't trust this offense in a shootout, right? Because yes. there's just too many variables. It, can't be a shootout. it cannot be a shootout. The defense has to give the the offense opportunities, and then the offense has to capitalize on. Well, that. I mean that's ha- that's what happened in the last game. You know, remember the Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa play? Right. Defense defense made a play. There, it's again, it has to be. It has to come from all three phases tonight. You can't yes. put this solely on Drew Pine. You can't put it solely on the offense. It's got to come through in all phases tonight. And you know, part of that that whole red zone thing is make it harder for them to get into the red zone. And that starts with special teams when you're punting. And, you know, again, it's raining right now. The rain is supposed to die by tonight, but it is still supposed to be really windy tonight. And that potentially is going to be a big factor this evening in that wind, whether it's, do you maybe turn down a field goal? Like we, you know, we were praising Marcus Freeman, take your points when you can. Sure. But if you're kicking into the wind, maybe you, you know, might want to consider more going for it rather than kicking. And, you know, the the punting situation, everything, but it, it's it's going to be on both sides as well. It's not going to be just Notre Dame affected by that, you know, whether it's the passing game, the kicking game, whatever it happens to be, with wind gusts up to 40 miles an hour potentially tonight, weather is going to be a factor this evening, Vince. No, absolutely. And, you know, they're on the field turf, right? And so, you know, it's going to get saturated all day with the rain. It's going to be slippery. Like, Wet field turf is slippery, and so that's going to come into play as well. So what is that going to do with the run game? What is that going to do with, you know, the passing game as far as breaks and cuts and all of those different things? And so it's going to be very interesting to see how things go. But the wind, if it is a – it's supposed to be super windy this afternoon, and it's supposed to die just a little bit by the evening, but it's still going to be windy. I think that favorites Notre Dame at the moment. The gust can come up, you know, like – we live in South Bend. We know yeah. it. We've seen it before. <laughs> yeah, I, the, you know the the gust from the gods, as they said in Tin Cup, right? Like, yeah, Notre Dame's gonna need one at the right moment to gust the wrong way, just to help out, you know, Notre Dame in some form or fashion. So this is where you want you want one of those gusts from the gods to help you out. But uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what the weather is actually like once the sun goes down and the rain stops, and what that looks like. But there's still gonna be wind.